Welcome back to Dark Nexus. My name is Rob. I'm the Game Master. We've got our four players with us. I'm Katie. I'm Paul. I'm Robert. And I'm Jenny. Tonight, it's Act 1, Chapter 10. Over the course of the last two sessions, our characters have found themselves settled in, momentarily at least, amongst a group of fellow survivors of whatever's been happening at Briarstone Asylum. They nabbed their third doppelganger corpse, survived a minor earthquake, passed the test of patience and the test of charity, and find themselves sitting down with Winter Klashka in the chapel. Pale fog is rolling outside the towering stained glass windows. There's no demonic thunder today, but the sound of heavy rain hitting the giant spirals depicted on the windows carries with it a hiss and a crackle, as though the raindrops were either very hot or acidic, or maybe both. Incense burns fairly consistently in the chapel. Winter's crew has water, but they're saving it for drinking, and they probably haven't bathed in days and days, so the pungent musk of burning herbs helps keep the air slightly palatable in here. Nasa, the crossbow-toting nurse, is hovering nearby. Winter clearly views her as a lieutenant of sorts, her and Valston, who's out by the barricade right now. Mura looms near the door, stoic and silent as always. Erwin is sleeping again, trying to move past the trauma of seeing Grip, who apparently threatened her life and the lives of those she loves. Bates is with her, also napping. It sounds like he has seizures, but you haven't witnessed any of those yet. Loic is whispering to his sister in the shadows. Basily is busy as always. She's currently braiding some ropes together, singing quietly to herself. There's always some rope near Basilie's bedding. She's a deep, deep sleeper, but a chronic sleepwalker, apparently. And she has to be securely lashed down every night so she doesn't wander off and cause harm to herself. Winter takes a deep breath, looks you all in the eye, one by one. I was expecting to begin this conversation by asking who exactly you are and how you survived, but have no memories, it seems. Whether this is true or merely a means to avoid an uncomfortable topic, I will leave that be for the moment. You have proven to me that you are not monsters, so I will treat you as people for now. So Danae says you have many questions. I will answer them as best I can. And then we should figure out, and quickly, what our next steps are. Your arrival, if you are truly willing to help, is the first blessing we've experienced since landing in this chapel. There are places you might be able to reach that we have not dared to attempt. Valston and I might perhaps be capable, but we dare not leave these people unguarded, and we dare not take them into dangerous unknown. Not again. So, what would you ask of me? Yeah, uh, when is now? What, what you... is the date? I believe he's asking. You do not even know the date? No. So Winter, you know, just cocks her head a little bit, kind of confused by the question, and then decides she's going to roll with this. Well, it is the year 4718, by Absalom Reckoning. There is no day and night here, so it's been hard to track the days, but I do believe Nesa is our best bet on that. Is it the, is it the, the 27th? Nesa gives a little nod. Uh, it is likely the afternoon of the 27th of Lamashan. Lamashan is 
uh, equivalent to our October. So it's, it would be late autumn. On hearing the year, uh, Dora's fingers go to her wedding ring that she's wearing and twists it about recalling the date there engraved as 4,700. 18 years ago. You, if you forgive me, don't look like... Well, that's to say, most of the people here, it seems you could place them as either a staff or patient, and of course the doctors. But you you said you landed here. What does that mean? What, what, what happened here? And how do you fit into it? I never would have expected to find myself in this place, but... Well, I was... We, we are in Uthalav, right? We are on Briarstone Isle, in the Danver River, in the nation of Ustalav, yes. I, I was until very recently a, a sister of the Maiden's Choir Cathedral in Caliphus, but now I, well, I have been deputized, and with a look of a mixture of pride and a little bit of embarrassment, she reaches into an inner pouch in her armor and she pulls out a silvery badge. Now, we have another silvery badge floating around this group, so I want to stress it looks nothing like the badge that Grip is holding onto. So it's rectangular and tall. It's got a black tower depicted on it with a red window at the top. And she says, I have been made a member of the Royal Accusers. This is a great honor. Can I make a knowledge local check on Royal Accusers? You may. 11 plus 7... Uh, 18 plus 5, uh, 23. So you know that the royal accusers are agents of the Ustalavic crown who are essentially warranted to enforce laws and enact justice completely outside of this nation's baroque and bizarre system of titles and rank and procedure and policy. They have a reputation for incredibly harsh justice. They act on matters of national importance and national security. And anyone who is a royal accuser is essentially authorized access to any and all information and is authorized to act as judge, jury, and executioner in any circumstance within their writ of responsibility. Like 007. Except known publicly. Like they would walk into a place and and identify themselves as such, and then everybody would do whatever they said. So more like SS. Yeah, that yeah. That, think about it that way. High-level SS intelligence officers, who are Ooh. yeah. Can I make a knowledge religion check on the Maiden's Choir Cathedral? You may. I uh, rolled a fifteen on the die plus five is twenty. Great. The Maiden's Choir Cathedral is the largest chapel, sort of the high chapel to Farazma in the nation of Ustalav. Farazma uh, worship is very prominent in that nation. It is an incredibly high-powered place to be. Both political and religious. Correct. But that makes sense, like if this is sort of like a Transylvania-like mm-hmm. place to live, uh, a goddess of keeping dead things dead is yes. pretty good. Yeah. So I was serving at Maiden's Choir when I was, well, I was bound to an accuser, accuser Omari, who took me to investigate the strangeness happening in Thrushmoor. Thrushmoor is 
Well, Thrushmore is the seat of the county of Versix, and it seems that the Count of Versix has either vanished or abandoned his duties entirely. I did not know why I was asked to come along on this mission until we arrived in Thrushmore, and Omari told me that this Count had apparently been making numerous visits to this asylum over the years, many of them very, very recently. And she asked me to come here and find out what the Count was doing here, who he was talking to, what he was engaged in, and report back. I was to speak to the administrator, Dr. Losandro, and Dr. Losandro seemed very friendly, very eager to help. The afternoon I arrived, it was late in the day, and she, well, she had some important procedure she was engaging in that afternoon, and she, she asked permission to see to that procedure and to deal with me the next day. She promised me a tour of the grounds, and she seemed so friendly and so compliant, I thought it was best to, to keep our relationship positive and to spend the next day with her. That next day never happened. I don't know if her procedure was what started everything that happened here, but I, I got a tour of the grounds from one of the, one of the other doctors, Dr. Chowar. I toured the grounds, the, the asylum, uh, the whole island itself, and was given a room to sleep in on the second floor of the building, and then there was an earthquake early that evening. It was very serious. This whole building is two, was two or three stories in many places, and most of what is above the first floor collapsed in on itself. I barely survived. Dozens, if not hundreds of people died upstairs. In the aftermath down below, as we were combing through the wreckage, trying to find the survivors, then there was, I don't know how to describe it, there was a, there was a riot, a massive group of patients and, and asylum staff and doctors and nurses all gathered around. Well, it was like a religious movement. They gathered around a patient named Oliver Zendelis and they, they dressed themselves in yellow. They called themselves the Apostles in Orpiment and they started slaughtering people. And then the doppelgangers showed up and then the ghouls showed up and everywhere we went, there was danger around every corner. We were badly hurt by a group of ghouls because I was unprepared to deal with them. And it was only by finding this chapel and finding out the magical powers that nobody knew were in here that we've been able to survive. The monsters were reluctant to follow us here and the apostles themselves seemed so disorganized that we, we seemed to manage to be able to hide back here, but there have been raids by all three of these groups in the days since the earthquake. And how long ago was that? Oh, it was over a week now. It was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It was 10 days ago. This has been our life here. We, we had a brief window several days ago where we were able to make a raid into the kitchens to get some food, the food that you see here now. But that was before an aftershock of some sort hit again. And now the, I fear the path to the kitchens has been blocked off. You, you went far north. Was there, were you able to get past the laundry area? Further north than the laundry area? Right. No. Yes, I fear there is. Well, perhaps that is keeping the ghouls away for now. You um, s- did you say there was three groups that were raiding you? There's ghouls and doppels and what was the other? The apostles in Orpiment, the followers of Oliver Zandalus. 
with Andalith. We've heard that name before. Yeah. Are they all working together, or are they three different groups that are uh, attacking you? It is pure chaos. The, the doppelgangers seem to be interested in nothing more than hurting people and ripping their flesh off. The ghouls seem interested in simply eating things that are alive. And the apostles, they just seem to go on raids directed by presumably their master. We find them doing strange activities in, in rooms by themselves, either killing someone or pulling things out of drawers, hauling people back to the north. Xandalus was a patient here? Well, that's what I hear. He was apparently a quiet, like non-verbal, peaceful man. He, he, had, he had night terrors of some sort. He was apparently... Uh, they say he was an, an artist or a, well, he's an artist of some sort and had some repute locally. I believe his family's money ran out a long time ago and his artwork was sold to help fund his ongoing stay here. He's been here for, for many, many years. How, how long, Nesa? You see Nesa uh, sort of do some calculating in her head and, oh, right, and she's got that. Ah, oh, she's got that West Country pirate voice, doesn't she? Which is now canon. So forgive me as I try to figure out what the heck it was I did when she was talking. Oh yes, oh yeah, right, right, right. So well, well, he's been here at least, at least, at least probably uh, uh, thirty years, at least. I, I've been here over twenty, and he's he's been here as long as I know. This is Dr. Lissandro, you you don't know her first name, do you? Uh, Eliege. Do you know of someone named? Camprey Linway. Nasa nods. Oh, sure, sure. He was, he was an orderly. Orderly here. Good man. Quiet man. We found this uh, note downstairs. Oh, his, his orders for, for, his, for his annual increase. Right, yes. right, right. That, those are the, those there are the, uh, the, the, the administrator, uh, uh, Dr. Lissandro's initials there. Has this core group that we've met so far been together this whole time? Or is, is, is there anyone else in your group that we haven't met yet? We heard a man crying behind the curtain. She darts her eyes towards the door of the chapel and gives you a finger in the air gesture to quiet down. And she says, there is not a man behind that curtain. There is a wall of fungus that is crying. We have covered it up so as not to alarm the children. That's gross. That's <laughs> really gross. A wall of fungus? fungus? Is there any kind of knowledge check that I could possibly make a dungeoneering or nature or anything like Religion. that? Why yeah. there might be a wall fungus, of fungus? Yeah. that would be crying? And that's that's where? That's happening where? It's, it's There's a curtain covering the wall about 10 right. feet outside the door of the chapel. I think this question was answered and I missed it. We've been up and about for four days near as we can figure how long before that was the earthquake? Uh, One week. About a week. A week before our four days started. Correct. Okay. And was there another inciting incident four days ago? Like, we asked this question, she said, I'm going to think about it. The days are blurring together, obviously. It is one endless succession of yelling thunder and roiling fog. But well, I cannot think of anything that happened that day that... We, we came out of that door for the first time, and you fucking shot me with a crossbow. The same day we woke up, did anything happen that day? Not that I can think of. 
Why don't you want to go outside? We try to go outside. There is, there is nothing but the fog. I, do, I do not know if it is the asylum, if it is the island, or if it is the entire world. We made one expedition into the fog. We saw things we will never unsee, and after marching for an hour, we arrived right back at the door that we left from. Reality is misshapen here. At least out the front door, out the main entrance hall, which is right down past the wall of crying fungus, that exit will not lead you away from this island. Now we have other ideas, but they, they involve getting past either the apostles or the other horrors of this island. We encountered a creature known as a zoog, uh, yes. which is known to inhabit the boundaries between planes. Yes. Is it possible we're not in Ustalav anymore? It is entirely possible. Does anybody have an idea what plane we could be on? Well, I do know this. In the nights leading up to the earthquake, we've heard from both patients and staff and nurses alike, and NASA nods, that they were dreaming of shapeshifters walking the halls of Briarstone. They were dreaming of their friends and loved ones and the patients they cared for turning into ghouls and eating their flesh. I think we have slipped into the realm of dreams. We might be in the dreaming itself, or at least stuck halfway there. Is there a knowledge planes check to be made on the realm of dreaming sure. that I have never heard of? Sure. Before? I would rather call it the realm of nightmare right now. <laughs> Dora's going to uh, summon that image of the dusty old tome and uh, open herself up to the desperation that she feels about understanding what is happening here. And she casts bursts of insight upon herself before delving into this question. Great. Uh, so 24. Nice. And then, and then she is dazed for six seconds. <laughs> Dora knows that the dimension of dreams is a plane hidden deep inside the ethereal plane. It is a vast eternity of constantly changing dreamscapes, each a combination of the dreams of individual sleeping mortals. And uh, it is a very difficult region to reach. Reaching it by magic is possible, but the only way that Dora is aware of is through obscure occult rituals rather than spells. It's a place haunted by night hags who stride through the land of dreams like demigods, and it has connections and windows into basically every other plane of existence. Anything that has the capability of dreaming has the capability of touching it, slipping into it, slipping out of it, and contributing to its ever shifting madness. Awesome. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds, Sounds like a fun place, place to visit. visit. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Why do we never go to the plane of hugs? Okay. Is there no one else here who suddenly found themselves here with no memory of how they got here or who they were? Not that I've encountered, no. But we have not seen every single individual here. And we have not been able to find Dr. Losandro. Her office is in the heart of the asylum, and we have not been able to reach it. 
if whatever she was doing had anything to do with what is happening now, she might know about this phenomenon. You mentioned the doppelgangers arriving. We've seen doppelgangers in the form of doctors, presumably doctors from this hospital. When you say that they arrived, I mean, how did you know that they were doppelgangers? Did they, what form did they take when you first saw them? And forgive me, but have you found any corpses or remains of the actual doctors that they copied? We have not, but this is a vast building filled with wreckage. If bodies exist, I do not know that they would be found, but it is a belief here, she looks over at Nesa, who, who nods, that these people transformed into doppelgangers as they slept. <clears throat> that they transformed into ghouls as they slept. Before we landed here and our dream space became safe, there was talk of, well, there was a shared dream happening of a yellow city filled with this fog that we see outside these windows. When it became clear that everyone was having the same dream and was haunted by the same figure, a horrifying man with a razor. The ragman. The war razor. We began to believe that what was happening in our dreams was perhaps as real as what was happening in what we believe to be the real world. There are those that believe that this man can change people inside the dream space, leaving their actual bodies to be changed. We have no proof of this, but this is what we've come to believe. And another reason why we will not sleep outside of this room, because if he touches your mind, we have proof that he can hurt your flesh. You might have that proof as well. We do. We have seen that ourselves. Who, who did he hurt here? She looks over at, there's a, a little pile of two dead men on the southern wall, sort of near where you were camped out by the shrine to Asmodeus, sort of half covered in a blanket. They were with us in the beginning, and they died from wounds they received in their sleep. Can you tell me what, or can anyone tell us what Alva Zandalus looks like? Ah, uh, Nesa, do you, did you see him? Oh, well, right, uh... I mean, I saw him a few times, I didn't know him very well, but he was, uh, oh, he's a strange-looking man. He was, from what I understand, he was probably in his, in his 70s or 80s, but he had smooth, unwrinkled skin, uh, very pale, long white hair, really sad eyes, always crying, always crying he was. Gulliver and Ray look at one another. Huh. The crying man. The crying man. Have you heard of the crying man before? I have not. Is this someone you have encountered? In our dreams. You have shared dreams of more beings than this Razor Man. I do not know what it means, but it makes me very, very concerned. Can I ask a question? It, it seemed like in a past recap of dreams, mm -hmm. there was mention made of Crying Man in Grip's dream, but I did not remember how the Crying Man figured into that dream, and I feel like in a previous session, it might have seemed like Grip was not talking about the crying man in his dream. If that was, that was just because I didn't remember him showing up. So let me, let me tell you how he did show up. Okay. And, and this will probably explain why you didn't remember, because at the time you were the first one. Right. And the detail was very small. So you were running towards the volcano, right. remember? Right. And then the world turned sideways and you started falling down. Right. And as you were falling towards the mob of dog children, uh -huh. there were scraps of yellowed parchment falling past you and you saw faces drawn in charcoal on the parchment 
of a sleek human man with wet eyes and long white hair, and little word bubbles were coming out of his mouth saying, what have I done? And at that moment, it probably just seemed like another random weird detail, but he did not play as large of a role as obviously he played a prominent role in Ray's dream. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. So Winter, one of the shared characters in this dreaming experience that we've been having, there is a, a man who is very much as you describe Oliver, Oliver, Zandalus. <laughs> not Oliver Westinghouse, which is what my <laughs> my brain wanted me to say. <laughs> no, I'm never gonna think of it as Zandalus. It's only gonna be Westinghouse. Oliver Zandalus, being th- this gaunt, constantly crying, long-haired man, and as far as I'm concerned, the sound of his cries is the sound emanating from that fungus. Yeah. Me oh. too. Oh no. And now I'd like to make that check, if there's a check that I could make about sure. dungeoneering sure. or anything. Uh, dungeoneering about crying be fungus. Crying fungus, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, 22 total. You've never heard of anything that weird. <laughs> Shocker. I would have had to roll a natural 20, and then it would still have been enough. In my dream, Zandalus, I knew him as the crying man, was vivisecting me alive and crying and saying what have I done in your dream how, how did you encounter him if, is that a joy making what's the joy making well, anybody can make a, a knowledge religion, religion check? check on that word I can ask her too it's a 21 oh you know what a joy making is is it gross yes great well you've already experienced it basically you recognize that term as being one of the more sacred holidays of the Dark Prince, Zonkuthan. He's a god of darkness, so his worship regularly occurs on nights of the new moon. And one prominent holiday that is celebrated is called the Joymaking, where one of the wealthiest and luckiest of the followers of Zonkuthan volunteers to have their limbs and non-vital organs amputated so that they remain a helpless head and torso destined to live the rest of their lives as these subjects of endless torture. It is considered to be a great honor in that fucked up society. How much of that do you share with us, Ray? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I made the check now. I had the dream. Yeah, like... So I had the dream of the the ritual. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was called a joy... No. Joy-making at that point. I think at the time that you experienced that dream, you were still waking up enough that it was just a horrifying experience. Yeah. And this word of joy-making that Gulliver says perhaps puts it into context for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if it, if that's happening right now in this moment that I'm putting these pieces together, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm going to share this. So um, was there a full moon recently? Would any of you know this? I mean... NASA, it, perhaps? Would NASA... I'm afraid I don't know. I've I've been doing my best, but I and the laws knowledge, of physics may knowledge not nature. apply here. As I could they make do. a knowledge nature nature check in terms of like sure yeah when it would have been. Mm-hmm. I, I can do that as well. Let's do that. Uh, Correct. Six plus seven, thirteen plus five, eighteen. Okay, so Gulliver is able to sort of now that he's got a locating beacon around date, he can do the math and I don't have access off the top of my head to when 
when that was, but assume that there has not been one this week. Okay. Is there anything in terms of the way that Ray looks and his rotting arms and legs that syncs up to that joy-making in terms of it being more than a dream? Like it no. actually have something like that actually happen happening to him? No, they they would take the healthiest and fittest, undiseased, untroubled people so that they could live as long as possible in this state of perpetual agony. So as a point of just for the role playing as far as I'm concerned, Ray is covered. So the these people do not know that he has withering or wasting happening. Oh got it. So got because like his hands and, and face your, it is on your face. It is on the face. Okay. Yeah, there's no scarring on your face. Oh, but the got the, it. the rotting is there. Okay. Anyway, so what I experienced in my dream is a ritual around the worship of Zanguthan, and it's it's a torture. It's a a living torture that I experienced in my sleep, and I'm just understanding now its its relevance thanks to what Gaul heard in his dream. That is a troubling dream for a follower or hopeful follower of Shalin to be having. They are connected in many ways. They are two sides of one coin, both attracted to beauty, both attracted to perfection, but both viewing it in very different ways. What if, what if I participated Ray, in these joy makings? Ray, don't torture yourself. I'm a, I'm a healer, right? You I mean, are. that's my power. Yes. Can we talk about someone else's dream for a bit? Do you want to talk about me putting the axe to the boy's neck again? No. I thought not. Ray's going to just retreat a little bit. Sure. It's a little overwhelming. Thanks for, uh, you know, answering our question and stuff. Um, I think maybe we want to just, you know, take a a little bit of time, kind of think about some stuff. That's okay. What is next for you? Well... What do you think is next? What was your plan if you had people to spare to finish investigating or...? Faustin and I have discussed trying to find a Dr. Lissandra, trying to reach the back exit, which I do not hold up much hope for, but Nesa has informed me that there is perhaps another way off of the asylum grounds, far away from one of the doors, if what is happening is localized right around the building, there is, well, in the courtyard, there's apparently a door that leads down to the morgue and crypt. Now, there is a series of natural tunnels down there that apparently leads to the shoreline of the island. It, of course, does not lead off the island, but it leads significantly far away from the doors of the actual building itself. It is very possible that if one could get down there and exit that way and find themselves on the shoreline at the cliffs there, they might be outside of what is happening here. That is a long distance to travel and a dangerous distance. And with the weeping fungus now, well, that is the direction that everything lies. Behind the curtain? Yes. What is behind that door just next to the curtain? The office of the chaplain here, apparently. He's not been found, but... He is. His, his equipment is in there. There's a locked cage with vestments and clerical equipment. Well, I think this is an undertaking we should volunteer for. I, I agree. Nesa, you know the layout of the building very well, do you not? 
Oh, yes, you guys, I've lived here for 20 years as a pirate. <laughs> let me, uh, me draw up a, a rudimentary map for you. So as, as you're discussing, Nasa jots down a, a very rudimentary, almost flowchart-like map of the first floor of the building. It's a, here you go, it's a big Whoa. building. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Holy this is the landing. floor above us? This is, is the it, floor that you're on. Oh, the is it clear room. where Goodness. we are on that map and how much we've Look in the lower covered, yeah. left corner. Oh, you should man. see chapel. Wow. Can you orient, orient yourself there? I think she knew yeah. where the laundry is. That's a whole <laughs> lot of rooms to go through. So if you look at that map, Dr. Lissandro's room mm-hmm. is right in the center there. That's, that, is, that is an area that... NASA doesn't know the layout of because she didn't spend time back there by the records rooms and the administrator's office, but she knows that that's where it is for a fact. There is the front door to the asylum is right in that main entrance hall, which is just on the bottom there past the, the curtain of fungus. That is the door that they went out and encountered awfulness and returned. The courtyard, which can be reached from the main entrance hall, is where NASA says the door to the crypts is located. And then the only way to get to the back door is essentially all the way through the east ward, all the way up through the large hall, through the kitchens, and that's purely because of the massive collapse just north of the laundry room there. And the the fungus wall appeared after the earthquake? Yes, that just appeared a couple of days ago. And that's, that's basically here, right? Yes. Blocking this door. Yes. And then the cave, there's a cave-in up here, right? Yes. Just north between, between the map, laundry, the laundry and rooms the and the baths. Yep. Has anyone tried talking to the fungus? Uh, no, no one has tried talking to the fungus. Well, we're going to have to deal with the fungus if we're going to venture out. Has anyone tried burning the fungus? You should take a look at it yourselves. I think you will learn pretty quickly why we have avoided it. Is this the end of a day, the beginning of a day? Like, where are we in the course of a day right now? You are in the middle part of, the, of a day. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Great. I, I appreciate that just trying to f- orient my brain in terms of where we are in the, in right. the day. Thanks uh, again for, uh, for answering all our questions and stuff. Uh, I, I do have one other thing that I wanted to ask you about, at, you know, uh, a priestess of Faradma. Um, yes. Would you be able to do some sort of ceremony for my, my fox? And he pulls out, like he he's sort of like tried to clean it up a little bit, mm-hmm. so it's not quite so just awful and stuff. But yeah. his like just destroyed fox that has just been crushed and stuff. Oh, the poor creature! Where did you find him? Downstairs. And he tries to not, but tears just start to slowly slide down his cheeks. He, he meant something to you. Yeah. Well, if you leave him here, he will not turn to something horrible, and I, I would. I would be honored to say a few words. Here, bring, give him to me. She takes him very gently and carefully in the gown that you've wrapped him in, brings him down to the southern wall by where the other bodies have been sort of interred in as best as they can be in this yeah, circumstance. Yeah. And she holds her holy symbol and kneels down, puts a hand on the fox. And she says, on the breath, of divinity, and are we born into this life? Our time here is nothing more and nothing less than a journey down the spiral of destiny into the sweet release of death. Little friend, 
we cannot judge you in death, for that is the providence of one and one alone, but we can try in our own humble way to mimic the Grey Lady and judge you in life. I did not know you. All I know of you is what I see, a, a well-groomed creature, well-cared-for, sleek, smart. I, I imagine you to have been the familiar of a wizard. Listening, smelling, seeing, looking out for her as she navigated the dangers of this world. You fell, as we all will fall, as all succumb to the inevitability of death. But you fell when you were supposed to, in the manner in which you were supposed to, and I choose to imagine that you fell well and bravely. And now in death, you have been truly judged. Your judgment was impartial, perfect, and final. May the place you are led by the echo of lost divinity be a place of peace. If you loved the green fields, may you find them there. If you love the open sky, the call of birds, the smell of life and love, may you see them, hear them, and smell them there. Your life was exactly what it was supposed to be. For that reason, you were perfect, and we salute you. She puts a hand on her heart. We who live the nightmare of life salute you. We who have not yet been blessed with death salute you. Gulliver cared for you. That is no more and no less than you deserved. In the name of the Lady of Graves, be free. Yeah, I, I think that Gulliver is probably like just outright bawling at this point and uh, just sort of like retreats over to the side and just tries to pull himself together and he's probably messing with this stuff while he tries to gather his resolve. Great, and she, you know, you, you'd asked near the end of that conversation for some space and time to yourselves, and Winter will, will let you have that if you wish. Dora does follow her. Okay. And draws the silver box out. The priest of Phrasma, did you know him? No, we never met. This was his. Hmm. And she describes what she saw when she read the object. <gasps> I don't know what that is. I... I do know what this is. There, may I, may I? Yes, of she, course. She takes it and opens it up, and ah, it, it, there are supposed to be writings in here. There are supposed to be prayers to the God which you serve, and priests and priestesses. They can tie this to their head. I have seen this in maidens' choir. They tie this to their head, and they always know if they are behaving in accordance with their God's wishes. I can think of someone who might appreciate that. Is it tied to any particular god? No, it can be used by any. Thank you. And she brings it over to Ray and tells him what mm. Winter said about it. There is a, um, I'm going to mispronounce her name again, mm-hmm. Shaylin. That's good. Okay. Good job. <laughs> is there, a, there is a corner to Shaylin in this? There is a shrine to Shaylin, yes. I'm going to take some of the pieces of parchment mm-hmm. that I have, mm-hmm. put them in the box. Be careful, Ray. I'm, I'm scared. I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. If I don't hear anything and nothing happens, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, right? Right. And you wish to use this item directed at the divine energies of Shaylin? Yeah. Great. All right, you feel, you feel a little connection when you tie it to your head, and well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, 
Does he have to leave it there? Is that how you just wear it? Oh, he's got to wear it. It is. It is going to take the head slot. Uh, it, it is a magic item that you are currently wearing now. It is called a phylactery of faithfulness. A phylactery. Does that mean you're a lich? Yes. Sorry. Surprise. <laughs> Second level lich. <laughs> that explains the weight thing away. What's the plan? I know that Gulliver was waiting for Winter to sort of go away, and then when they walked away and stuff, he's going to wait till he's again sort of trying to pull himself together and waiting for people to come back, and then he is going to try to get everybody together and ask a couple more questions Great. and say a few things. Great. Just with us? Yeah. Great. Hey, so uh, I remember more about my dream than what I told Winter, and I I didn't want to say anything in front of her because I, I don't know her, but you know I, I wanted to tell you all some of the things that I heard and asked if there was anything that you remember in your dreams that might, you know, you might remember. The ragman found me. And the way he talked to me, it was as if he knew me and he knew all four of us. And he said that he'd been hunting us for a long time. And he knew things about stuff that had happened to us. Ray, he, he, he referred to you as the boy. Hmm. And he said, oh, you and the boy, you both have magics now. And he said he'd never seen a joy making before. That's where you heard of it. Yeah. And Grip, with you, he, he said he'd never been a boy in a dog mask before? There's some sort of cross between either dogs or children, or children or dogs chasing me in my dream. He, he, he was one of those things. Watching or participating? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I saw the crying man, and when I saw him, I saw him over the ragman's shoulder, and he said, don't look at him. Look at me. Never look at him when you're here. Look at me. He won't let me out there, but he can't stop me when I'm in here. And this place, this place that I was in the dream, it was the scariest place I ever seen. It was like a labyrinth, like a maze, a, a, a university, but like a university of like craziness. There was this giant tower and a golden dome. And as you say that out loud, Gulliver, your brain starts to form some connections with some of the information you've learned in recent chapters. And you are now aware that in your dream, you were traveling through the Cincomacti School in Rosenport. Oh. That's where you were. That dome is famous. Oh, so the Miskatonic University. Yes, equivalent, equivalent. where apparently Oliver Zandalus was connected to. And An you expedition. can now, that you have a date, Gulliver, you can connect the date of Zandalus's expeditions as somewhere in the realm of 30, 40 years ago. Probably not long before he was committed here. Got it. So he went off and did this stuff, something happened to him, and then he came back here. And then apparently never spoke again. And then 30 years later... This happens. This happens. Perhaps right. he delved too deeply. But in the dream, I was afraid of both the tower and the, the dome, but the dome was where I was supposed to get to. And I had to, and I don't know what this means, but I had to chain the knight. Did that mean anything to anybody? Anybody trained may make a knowledge arcana check. 26. Ooh, that's good. Well, thank you. <laughs> you are aware of the existence of a legendary book called The Chain of Knights, written by a doctor slash mystic slash seer named Valhadis about 600 years ago. Oh no, that's the 1200s, 3600 years ago. Oh my gosh. That is reported to be an exploration of the brain, 
less as an organ and more as the lens of perception and as the throne of dreams. That's about what you know. The fact that you know that is uh, pretty impressive. They're very smart. Yes. I share that with everyone. I also shared the whole thing about the university being the variation of the Miskatonic University. Great. And I'll, I'll also share hearing you tell that again about your dream. I recognize the line, what have I done? Hmm. I did not see the man, but I saw scraps of paper, scraps of parchment, with his face drawn on it, drawn to say, what have I done? Scrap the parchment. There, that was another thing in my dream. There were these soldiers, and they had little bits of yellow paper with charcoal writings all over them. Could you read them? No. In your dream, Gull, they, they would have been pictures. Okay. Pictures of architecture, scraps of corners of buildings, windows, doorways. Like architectural drawings or? Artistic renderings of the of city artistic. that I was in. No, you would connect Just it more to the city where you first encountered who you're calling the Ragman. The place, the shared dream that we all yes. had. Yes, yes. And that place, did that feel similar to this Miskatonic University place, or was it... Superficially, but... Not the same Not the same. Okay. Okay. What color parchment? Yellow. Everything is yellow. Is parchment ever another color? Is parchment colored? <laughs> I'd like well, to make an alchemy check. <laughs> Tope. Eggshell. It was eggshell, and one of them was eagle. Fifteen alchemy check. What Gulliver color is aware of the existence be? of many colors of parchment, <laughs> but can confirm that some shade of yellow is most common. <laughs> Count Versix. Did I get that right? Versix County. Versix County is where Thrushmore is located. It is the seat of Versix County, and it is the count of Versix County that has apparently either vanished or decided to blow off his duties and was visiting here. And that's why Winter came here in the first place. Correct. So we, if we could find, if we could find more information about how, what this count was doing here, you think that would be helpful? It might lead us some. Some information. Do you think we're going to find anything unless we deal with this fungus mm. that blocks our only path forward? Yeah, I, I just want to say one other thing about these dreams. Yes. He said once he could find us, no matter what we did, whenever we went to sleep, he'd be there. I don't doubt it. And he also said that he couldn't believe that it took him so long to find us and that we must have had some kind of outside help to evade him. I wonder if that speaks to us knowing each other before we met. I don't know why he would have included us together, unless we didn't. I think we shall all have to pay attention to our dreams on the nights we don't sleep here, that is, which I think we should as much as possible. I agreed. Especially with the look that Game Master is given when you said sleep outside. I almost look hungry. (laughs) Please sleep outside the chapel. (laughs) Yeah, I don't but have a dream to no, <laughs> compare with everyone else. You don't. But if we not yet. if we only sleep here, these bits and pieces of like information, we're not going to get any more. Well, some days we'll need sleep, and some days we'll need information. But information comes at a great risk. Aye. You weren't awake, but we saw what these dreams did to Grip just the other morning. Slashes appeared in his face. Oh, from his dream, and yeah, we've I'll, heard that... I'll take sleeping in the chapel, thank you very fucking much. <laughs> it may not always be possible as we move forward, but 
we should include it in our planning as a matter of course, as much as we can, unless we can find another way to safeguard ourselves. Mm. Fungus wall. You're I'm going to so sort of exciting. let people go and do what they want to do, but I'm going to try to find a small opportunity mm-hmm. to get Dora alone. Oh, great. Sure. When, Excellent. When nobody else is, like, really aware kind of thing. Hey, I didn't want to say this in front of them, but he said you were my wife. Hmm. And he also said, tell her she may think that her mind's a mansion on a hill, but he wanted you to know that mummy's coming. And then he said it was like a nursery rhyme or something with a down to the ocean to die. When you say that out loud, Gulliver, you have another awakening, and this is something that Dora recognizes at the same moment. This is essentially like saying aloud, ring around the rosy. Mm. This is such a common nursery rhyme that you're sort of immediately amazed you didn't recognize it mm-hmm. in the context of your dream, but you know, everything's still kind of like filling back in. The and also are- like just parts of us have been Yanked stolen. out, yep. This mansion, this thing you described from your dream, it's, um, it feels familiar to me in a way. I, the place I see when I access the inner reaches of my mind to exert my will over reality. I, Dora is clearly thrown by this thing you've said about her mind. Yeah. Um, certainly this, um, this, uh, this does feel like my ring. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember you. I don't know what our history is, but uh, thank you for telling me. What do you think he meant by mummy's coming? I don't know. I wish I did. If we if we were, you know... Yes. Do you think there could have been a kid? I don't know. I feel, I feel I'm so much older than you. I, I... It seems impossible to me that I could have a child in the world or ever have had a child in the world and not remember it. I just don't know. Johnny the player knows that you had something like you there was was it Eric? Yes. The violin. The violin. Yeah. I definitely wrote that note and you all know that. Okay. I wasn't I wasn't sure if that was something that that you had kept to yourself or that was something that but you shared I with haven't everybody. used psychometry on the violin. That is something I have been intending to do. Got it. Though um, the experience with trying to hypnotize Ray has um, made that a, a fearful thing. Oh, yeah. Even though I know that I was able to access visions of grip through the object as long as I wasn't trying to access his mind. But that's um, she intends to do that. Perhaps when we have a, a moment of respite, I will uh, see if this violin can tell me anything more. Tell us. Anything more? Sure. I won't hide anything from you. Okay. Great, so heading out the hall, there's there's that first door on the south wall on your right there, which you know goes to what is apparently the chaplain's office, which is where the kids, the two kids who aren't injured, are being uh, essentially babysat and kept away from the worst of the afflicted. And then next to that, there's another door right there, which has been indicated as essentially another record room of the chaplains. Uh, and then right past that is the bed sheet, and behind it you hear <laughs> What do you do? I hate shit like this. Ulver Zandalus. <laughs> you hear a 
splash as though like imagine a liter of water dumped on the floor from like head height that it seemed to be in response to me calling those words out yep i pulled a sheet down oh geez i back up (laughs) (laughs) so you see gulliver is slightly hiding behind her (laughs) (laughs) there is a wall blocking this passage off and it is just covered floor to ceiling with a thick carpet of yellow fungus. The fungus is pulsing, kind of throbbing, and you can see like on the edges, as you look on the, on the outside edges of it, it's actually growing very, very slowly as you're looking at it. The fungus is thick, but you can see that under this thick carpet of fungus, there's probably a door, and the door looks kind of swollen and distended and probably marred by the influence of this fungus and you know you're about 10 feet away from it when you pull that curtain down and it's you hear this sound of crying and it it, it definitely seems as though it's coming somehow out of the fungus well is there a check to be made about this fungus uh detect magic sure and you open yourself up to magical auras and you don't pick up any magical auras, but as you complete the casting of the spell, the fungus opens into a giant eyeball. Like, picture an eyeball about four feet wide. It is green, and now it's blinking. Oh, I don't love it. And every time the eyeball closes, a big glob of liquid, about a, a liter of liquid, seeps out of the right corner of it and you can smell it in the air it reeks of ammonia so now you've got a giant green eyeball staring at you which apparently according to the spell detect magic is not magical holy smokes everything here is magical detect psychic significance okay so you go through those mental motions Mm -hmm. and you don't pick up anything of psychic significance coming off this wall, but the eyeball turns and looks right at you. Leak. Leak. Uh, okay, is there like a nature or a dungeoneering or any kind of check to Religion. be made here? Nature or dungeoneering? I'm gonna make a nature check. All right. So I'll do dungeoneering. Great. 21. 13. This is not natural. You wanted to make a knowledge religion check? Sure. Uh, Did I happen to pick up any items of psychic significance in the priest's little antechamber? You haven't gone in there. If you want to, you can. It's a 40-foot radius. Sure, the doors are closed. 16. That's with a shame point. (laughs) (laughs) Your shame is suggesting to you through a combination of this not registering magic, but being clearly magical, being not recognizably in any way natural, that this is probably some sort of haunt. This place is full of them. And that it's gonna have some sort of trigger, it's gonna do some sort of awful thing, but if you can deal enough positive energy damage to it before it does that, you might be able to kill it off. Yeah. So, we only have So I should punch it, is (laughs) what you're saying. You wanna approach it and punch it? No, please. Punch it with a positive force of your fist. There's only one 
going to channel positive energy. Uh, I'm going to back away. Okay. Do we all want to take a couple steps back? Yes. That's probably. Great. Denman, sort of sulking there with his crossbow at the intersection there, (laughs) sees you all backing away, nods his head, (laughs) takes a few steps north up the hallway closer (laughs) to the barricade where Faustin and Jared and Danae are. Five hit points damage. So you release a blast of positive energy, and as it cascades over this yellow fungus, you see the edges of it start to singe and char and turn black. Inside the pupil of the eyeball, a mouth opens. The mouth is filled with teeth, and it screams. These teeth lash out with about five feet worth of reach. There's some fun art of this thing. So it's a mouth inside an eye inside of fungus on a wall. Oh, that is the worst. Right from Sandman. How appropriate. And it's lashing and screaming and screaming and screaming, but it's still going. You all are quite far away from it, so it can't reach you. Yeah, I'm going to do it again. That's wise. (laughs) One point. Screaming. Singeing, burning, still going. Again, do we do we know that like the only way to hurt these haunts is with positive energy? Can they be hurt other ways? It is very very rare, but occasionally they can be hurt other ways. Almost entirely, it requires positive energy. Got it. Usually, the only way to learn that is to interact with it. Got it. So so far, that's two standard actions that mm-hmm. this is taking place. It's making some noise, right? Is it causing any alarm? Is anyone like Winter, someone with other positive energy? No. All right. Just just a thought. Do you want to ask her to join? She did explain why she's been saving her resources, and she was pretty clear about her feeling that I, she needs to save them to fight the undead. I, I was I was not going to ask her sure. for help. I was just going to see if the sound brought She, of her. course, is watching with interest and concern. Okay. <laughs> okay. Four more points. In a Russian way. Yes. Standoffish-like. Still going though. Um, we'll just come back tomorrow. Yeah, I guess so. It's gonna be a long night with that thing screaming. And it's Bench growing, so it's likely regenerating over time. Over Zandalus. I release you. Two more points. And all of the fungus just disappears, crumbles into yellow-gray ash on the ground, and you see a warped and messed up wooden door behind it that as soon as this fungus like dissipates, this door creaks, groans, like folds in on itself. It obviously it obviously been held up almost architecturally <laughs> by this fungus at that point, cracks, splits, and falls down. And then you hear, you know that happens when you, you're in, a, you're in a room where a window's open, you open one door and across the way another yes. door opens up. So you hear like, <laughs> whatever this massive room is beyond that door, like the air pressure just went and you hear a distant slam of some door off to the right, the oh, south, God. slamming open. You see a giant welcome hall beyond down to the, on the south side of this wall, you can see massive windows overlooking just roiling yellow fog. About halfway down the wall, there's an alcove where a set of double doors is obviously going outside. One of those doors has swung open and 
there is just a river of yellow fog rushing into this room and you can see just like you were seeing up in the ceiling of that main hallway originally it looks alive like little tendrils of yellow fog are swooping in from those doors there is a a welcome desk in the middle of the chamber it's empty right off to the left there ray who's closest to the front there at this moment can see what looks like a staircase going up to a second floor it's completely collapsed there are doors here and there, but at that moment, the immediate concern is yellow fog rushing and spilling into this room. Uh, Dor just instinctively reaches out to Ray and casts resistance. I'm, I'm sorry, to grip mm-hmm. uh, and casts resistance on him. <laughs> and and whoever else she has time to touch. What else do we do? When you, when you go plus, to touch plus, plus one to saving plus throws one. for one minute. When you go to touch Gulliver, he he kind of. I'm sorry. Is it, it's clear that, that it's pouring in from that open door. Yes. Close the our, door. I, I, will, I will run to try to close the door. Great, 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 great. What is our light situation? I have a crystal that and shines I'm, light like a torch. I don't need it. And I also don't need it, but I have one. Great. So there is no light in this room, so are you trailing within, yeah. within 20 feet of... I'm not running into the fog, because I don't need to, because he can see in the dark, but I'm keeping close to the two of them who uh. can't. I would like to touch my morning star. Yeah. And cast light on it. Excellent. Great. So, Grip is running ahead to close the door. The three of you are clustered a little closer together, following 20, 30 feet behind him. Grip, you reach the door, and fog is rushing in. It's rushing in so fast that you hit the sort of 10-foot out mark, and you're like, whoa, I'm pretty sure the door is right there. I see nothing now, but roiling yellow mist, you have to sort of stumble forward. Your vision, even though you've got dark vision, is blocked by this fog. You lay your hand on the door, and you start to pull it closed when something shoots out of the fog. Does it? End of chapter 10. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. Fantastic. Did we level? <laughs>